in episode oh i screwed that up Hello and welcome to the Gemcast. I'm your host, Alex Knight, and this is episode 21. Today, I'm joined by Aline Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast, and science fiction writer Kate Tempest Bradford. In episode 21, Old Meets New, when Gem and the Holograms perform a cover of a song called Rock and Roll is Forever at an outdoor concert, they infuriate an elderly singer named Bobby Bailey, who turns out to be the lead singer of a 50s rock and roll band called Bobby Bailey and the Tornadoes. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Showtime synergy. All right, episode 21, written by Sandy Freeze. We open with Gem and the Holograms performing a cover of the 1954 classic, I'm going to use air quotes here, Rock and Roll is Forever. Cut to the Gem and the Holograms music video, Rock and Roll is Forever, right at the beginning of the episode. What did you think of the song? I mean, it is a cover of somebody else's song. Right. Oh, somebody else's fake song. So I it's know. really not actually a cover. And I have a real hard time believing that that song was, was ever actually written in the 1950s. But that's okay. It's a cute song, I think. It's fun. It's poppy. It's dancing around going like, woo, rockabilly, fake rock and roll. Like, jamming. And they're wearing really cute little outfits. They're like, look, reminiscent of the 50s outfits. Yeah, I, I I guess I was expecting more, I don't know, more 1954 sounding. Um, I know it was a cover and a modernization, but I don't know. I guess I'm expecting too much because I was like... Oh no! I don't think you're expecting too much. I think I think you're spot on. It's not right. a very period accurate sounding. I mean, like you said, it is a cover. So do we even know what that original song sounds like yet at this point? No, and we never will. Yeah, lost to the something of time. Anyway, but yeah, so I thought it would have some like references, maybe re- referencing some. I don't know. I don't know. I was gonna say guitar riffs, but that wasn't really a thing in the 1950s. But you know, and that that didn't happen. And I I liked it when the music video started, and it was like poodle skirts because poodle skirts are never not going to be cute to me. Um, poodle skirts are the best, right? But but when they come out, they're wearing like little bo peep dresses, and I I did not know what was happening. I was why are they wearing little bo peep dresses? Why are they not? And then the song starts, and I'm like, why why are they switching outfits? Why are they not just wearing that outfit? It was it was very confusing. It was a confusing time. In my life. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Well, after the holograms finish performing, an irate Bobby Bailey, who we see in the the uh, crowd, makes his way to the stage, heckling the band. A security guard intervenes and prevents him from reaching the stage. And there's just a little interchange of dialogue here that, that I wrote down because I thought it was absolutely hilarious. And he, he is so mad. He is just enraged and he's like boo that was lousy you got the song all wrong you guys really stunk oh my god first of all how did they hear him and all Uh, of that crowd noise i don't know but yes he was he was so unhappy because he's the first person who's ever had their song covered and ruined the first i have to say as a piece of advice if you're a security guard and there's an irate old man yelling at you trying to get to the stage do not and I repeat, do not say, hey, Pops, cool out. Do you really think that's going to help this man calm down? 
Also, cool out. Uh, was a security guard from the 50s? Yes. Maybe. Yes. I love what Bobby says, and he's like, I'll clean you out, Jack. You lay one hand on me, I'll punch your lights out. <laughs> well, and what I was like, okay, Jim is very seriously effect- affected by this. I'm like, is this the first time anyone said anything negative about your stuff? Like, you, you, you're a princess in a bubble? Like, what is happening? She is a princess in a bubble. Okay. He has every right to be upset if he wants. However, the way he's going about it, the way he's handling it, is totally ridiculous. And first of all, there's no, as far as I know, there's no law that says a band can't do a cover live. And, you know, it's not like you have to go to the band, the original creator, and request permission, I suppose, unless you're actually trying to profit off of it. Like, if I were to record it and put it on an album, you'd have to have permission to do that. But From the songwriter, not from the... Right. Well, I guess he was the songwriter. Yeah, in, yeah. This, case he, in this case, he is, but... <laughs> Welcome to Discussion of Copyright Law, formerly <laughs> the Jim and the Holograms analysis podcast. Backstage uh, at the Holograms dressing room, Kimber asks the girls if they notice the angry man razzing um, their set. Razzing? Razzing? <laughs> <laughs> When they hear Bobby Bailey arguing with the guards as uh, he intrudes and enters the dressing room, uh, Bobby says, that song, that song was all wrong. Kimber says, what makes you such an authority on how we should be playing that song? I'm an authority because I wrote the song when your daddy was in diapers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and my name's Bobby Bailey. I just love how he says, he's so angry. Oh, and my name's Bobby Bailey. Like, what? Look, that guy is not... The way that they drew him, he's not old enough to have been, like, an adult when Emmett Benton was in diapers. Let me tell you, Emmett Benton is older than that guy. He Well, when he died. (laughs) Which is, like, three months ago. So, what? they did not draw him old enough. I don't think that they got the memo that he was supposed to be super old, because that's how they wrote it. I also had that comment. And then... Um, Gem and the Holograms need to hire better security. By the way, I really don't like how patronizing Bobby is because, I mean, this is not the first time he's he's going to say something like this, but Jem asks him, you're Bobby Bailey of Bobby Bailey and the Tornadoes? And he goes, that's right, little girl. Well, that's what old old dudes are supposed to, old white dudes are supposed to say. <sighs> yeah, I, I suppose. But yeah, he's the worst through this entire yeah. episode, which... I understand that the reason why they continue to help him because it's like important rock and roll history, blah, 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 whatever. But he is the worst person. Like now I know why there was nobody else helping him because he probably drove them all away. He probably has a family somewhere who he drove away with his horrible attitude because he kept saying to his grandchildren, you kids don't know. You don't <laughs> know. I'm going to go back to my condemned house now. You never call. Ah. He's, as curmudgeon-y as one could get. Ooh, that's a good word. Yeah. That's a good yeah. word. I, I like that, curmudgeon Well, Gem and the Holograms, along with Bobby Bailey, make their way to the condemned apartment building he's been living in for the past 25 years. When they arrive, the front entrance is boarded up, but, the, but that doesn't stop Bobby from removing the two-by-fours blocking the way. Bobby claims the building is in great shape, although we can clearly see it's a little worse for wear. Aja asks what the reason is for the condemned sign. Bobby explains that the weasel who owns it wants to tear it down and build a factory. But of course, 
we cut to Eric Raymond, who is relaxing, in air quotes, by the way, by demolishing an old building. For some reason, the misfits are with him. And I just love how Eric says, ah, how relaxing, as he's demolishing building and stormer says you sure got weird hobbies eric yeah stormer called it and i feel like this was also like some other way to explore the depths or the shallownesses of eric's character because what person is like yeah i just love swinging around a a wrecking ball other than miley cyrus like i don't know who else just like finds relaxed and enjoyment in that well eric says that after the building's demolished he's going to build the biggest record factory on the east coast east coast yes yes oh. and we're gonna we're having a discussion about this because this was very much i was like wait but continue. i missed that okay sorry roxy's reaction her one word reaction wow <laughs> It it seemed like a real awkward line to me. Well, because it is. Roxy doesn't say wow. Back at the apartment, Bobby shows the holograms into what used to be the recording studio that his band, The Tornadoes, recorded all of their gold albums in. But it's been a long time since the space has been a recording studio. Now it's transformed into Bobby's living quarters. Eric drives the wrecking ball truck to the final building needing to be demolished, which just so happens to be Bobby Bailey's building. Shocking. Eric, yeah, shocking indeed. Eric asks for the misfits to help. What's in it for them? Well, once his new record factory is built, their album will be the first to be cut. But of course, Stormer says, why does it matter where our next album is cut? And Eric tries to come up with an answer and he seems like he makes it up on the spot because he says it matters because well it matters because i'm going to throw the biggest opening party bash you've ever seen and the misfits are going to perform the ceremonies so can we go back to how this guy goes up to jim in the holograms and he's like i'm bobby bailey you just did a really craptastic cover of my song. Come with me to my creepy apartment. And they're like, okay. <laughs> oh, how did I how did I gloss over that? That is so weird. Like, what are we teaching our children? Well, we're teaching our children that it's okay to go back to some creepy guy's apartment if he was the front man for a band that your grandpa listened to and you're like, ah, oh, you're an important part of music history. Okay. At least that's what I learned. I'm making a mental note. Well, I mean, I guess because it's not like he's a no one, right? I mean, he is supposedly a kind of a washed up celebrity, right? So they, I mean, at least Jem seems to know who he is. Right. Well, all, all I have to say is Bill Cosby. Like, I, mm, mm. like just because there's it's a celebrity. True. Yeah. Mm. But we weren't teaching kids that back in That's the 80s. That's true. It was an innocenter time that when, is true. when no celebrities old or otherwise ever did anything wrong regrettably before eric can enumerate the details of his plan pizzazz grabs the controls and proceeds to demolish the building of course she does of course she does eric panics <laughs> and tries to stop her warning her that people are still in the building eric tries to wrestle the controls away from pizzazz all while saying he's going to be sued for any damages the wrecking ball is out of control and both the misfits and eric abandon the machine good job can't figure it out run away okay so so this is the point at which i was like they look like clowns in a clown car like how many um, <laughs> how many misfits and producers can you cram into like it's a bad joke and then secondly 
you're not ready to demo the building, so you're driving the thing that's going to demo the building there. I don't get that. It's just for fun. It's for kicks. He's and like, third- I love driving it. Thirdly, why do you take pizzazz anywhere ever? Ever. Right. In also, anything. Yeah, putting pizzazz in any kind of proximity to some sort of equipment that destroys things. Like, Eric, you should know better. Like, you freaked out. When um, what's his butt tech rag gave her a laser gun, but you have no qualms about being like, yeah, pizzazz, just hop on in this uh, this wrecking ball machine. Well, meanwhile, while everything is going on outside, Bobby and the holograms exit the building to find out what all the commotion is about. Bobby notices that Eric is responsible for the out of control machine, runs over to it and manages to turn it off before any serious harm can come about. Kimber makes a comment about Bobby not being bad for a and she kind of gets cut off. Before she can make, I guess, what seems to be like an ageist remark, uh, Bobby says, you mean you didn't realize anyone my age could move and think that quickly? And Bobby says, Eric, you stupid turkey. <laughs> I do I do love that he calls Eric a stupid turkey. It, it is one of my favorite things about Bobby, even though he's still a terrible person jumping to horrible conclusions, but Kimber should probably stop talking. Um, because also I was more than the fact that Bobby is older and can think quickly. I was like, how did he know what switches to flip? Does he, did he work in construction? Like, or is this just a thing that men know? No, it's not a thing that men just know. If you looked at, well, if you looked at the, um, the way they animated it, look, just look at how many dials are on that machine. If you just pause that that screen where he flips it off, there's like a billion different dials. How does he know? And they're, none of them are labeled. Well, let, let's also pause here because we should go back to this. So I think that I have been mistaken all these many episodes about where this show is supposed to be taking place. Even though it looks like fake Los Angeles or fake San Diego because of all its beautiful beaches and sunniness, I think maybe this is supposed to take place somewhere on the East Coast. Because, like, like last week when we had them going to St. Thomas, it was only going to take two days. Right. Um, when they were in the Broadway show and they were like, let's go back to the mansion, as if it wasn't no big deal. And now Eric is building this record company on the East Coast. I think it's Miami. I don't know if people would call Miami the East Coast, though. I mean, it, it could maybe be Florida, but then what kind of music business is in Florida? But it's clearly not. They clearly don't actually live in New York. So they live in some sort of fake East Coast town that's like New York that isn't. Like, maybe they live in Metropolis. Eric isn't out of hot water just yet because an enraged police officer rushes over to him. She complains that he's not only destroyed her cart, but is also parked illegally in a no-parking zone. Eric, unsuccessfully, tries to buy her off with a $50 bill. The police officer is clearly offended at Eric's attempt to bribe her. She decides to write him enough tickets to fill her quota for the next three months. $50? Really? Right, like at least... In the 80s? At least $100. I mean, even in the 80s, though. Okay. He destroyed her cart. That's got to be thousands of dollars. Right, at least $100. Yeah, but right, but I mean, it's it's covered by insurance, whatever. But I would expect that Eric would try to bribe somebody with... At least a hundred dollar bill. Come on now. You want her to look away from all that? There's a big old hole in the street. There's a building that's been half knocked down and you mess with her cart. Well, back at the apartment, we get an exterior shot of Bobby doing some repair work on the shutters. 
He hits his finger with a hammer, and Kimber offers to help. But Bobby says, I may be an old fossil to you, but I don't need some new wave space cadet to help me swing a hammer. What? <laughs> this nickname that he comes up with for her. I do not understand it. New wave? That is different music from theirs. Space cadet? I don't even know if these people know what Star Wars is. I mm. Yeah, I think Kimber was genuinely trying to help. I think he's being a bit too sensitive here. I mean, he did hit his finger with a hammer. I mean, come on. Well, and if we're going to call anyone a space cadet, it's Jen. I'm... It's it's not Kimber. True. I mean, mostly, I just, like I said, I don't like Bobby Bailey. I don't think that they should be helping him. I think that they should have let Eric tear down his building and put a factory there and let him roam the streets going, I once used to be great. I was Bobby blah, 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 the tornadoes. <laughs> and people would be like, yeah, whatever, old man. Because that is the fate that he deserves because he's a jerk. Amen. Well, just as that happens, the misfits drive by on a flatbed and begin playing a song. Of course oh, they do. the misfits. Yeah, they got their little setup with their speakers and their equipment and a giant sign that says, The Misfits. And they begin playing a song, a very unpleasant song called Jack Take a Hike. Now, at first I thought, this song, this is a terrible song, but... A bit later on, you, you figure out why it was it, it was clearly done on purpose. Oh, but I actually like this song. I mean, it's not one of my top eleven misfit songs. <laughs> okay, let's, but let's so glad let's you wrote talk that about this. Then. <laughs> but but it is because I like it because it's very upbeat. Even though it is a little bit repetitive with the Jack, take a hike, take a hike, Jack, Jack, take a hike, take a hike, Jack. Like, they just keep doing that over and over again. But, like, it has, like, a very, like, driving sound. Um, and, and everything is there. Like, keyboards are there. Because you don't always hear, like, the keyboards in Misfit songs. There's usually a lot of guitar going, Meow. Um, But, yeah, it's a very driving song. And, I don't know, I also just appreciate it whenever the Misfits are like, we're bad. We're tough. We're, we're coming for you. Um, it, it was meant to drive people out, but it's sort of the same way that, it, like, they use um, music to, to drive people out of hostage situations or something. And they, and they always choose, like, music that they think are, is annoying. But, you know, let me tell you, NSYNC isn't that bad most of the time, but yet NSYNC is used to, like, drive hostage takers crazy. I just think the old people in the building are just not appreciators of the Misfits brand of rock and roll. Indeed. Well, speaking of old people not appreciating things, Bobby says, you see what I mean? Modern day rock and rollers are nothing but trouble. Dude, they came to your house and they helped you put things together and you could maybe lay off talking about them as if they're just like those other ladies over there. This is why you deserve to be wandering the street. I don't understand why he's so bitter because if he were to remember what his youth was like just think about like he should really think about when he was first starting out what did people of like his parents generation think of him they probably thought he was a miscreant so the fact that he's like completely forgotten about this it seems really odd to me that is true yes oh I, also i forgot to mention this when we were going through how like they came into his apartment and you know he's like oh we used to record things but so I am real mad that that this show is perpetuating the lie that white people invented rock and roll. I I am mm. I was so mad about that when this when I saw that scene. I was like, look, uh, hello, yeah, hello, Chuck Berry. Right, it's like you 
you all did not invent rock and roll. Stop it. I don't care what what fake what real band your fake band is patterned after. I don't care. You not invent rock and roll. Get out of here, white people. Stop it. And see, then I'm like, uh, so his bitterness. Yeah, you're right. Like he should remember that because one of the reasons why rock and roll was not respectable is because it was black people music. And so even when white people started to play it at first, the everybody was like, oh, oh, that rock and roll. It's it's from the devil. It's coming to get us and our children's minds. Blah blah. And but that wasn't because people had different taste in music. It was because literally that music came from black people. I completely agree. I think, uh, I, I think that's a big oversight in this episode. And I mean, as, as diverse as this show tries to be, which we've talked about before there, I mean, there's just way too many white people writing it. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's the same way with, you know, any kind of fantasy, whether it be TV fantasy, book fantasy, whatnot, you know, you just can't ignore certain things you know whitewashing certain things it's not okay and i know that you know people will say we will get letters we're gonna get letters like snail mail letters you know to the p.o box <laughs> uh people oh, saying but back then in the 80s it was different and i'll just be like Psh. in the 80s people still knew that black people invented rock and roll though yeah bobby really should have been african-american like that would have made way more sense like the fact that they glossed over this entire rock and roll history i don't care if this is a fake world it just it seems so strange to me because there has to be like even with fantasy right there has to be to be i don't know i i, I personally enjoy things more when there's some kind of nod or acknowledgement that can that i can connect to with the real world because it somehow, to me, makes that fantasy world more believable. It kind of grounds it a bit, even though you know that the stuff that's happening is is not stuff that happens in real life. You know, so like the more they can kind of like ground it in in reality and make that connection um, to to th- real history, to me, makes it makes it more interesting and makes it more believable. Well, yes. and and I think the important thing, the other important thing, these are all important things, but an important thing to note is also that this is how we get better by critiquing what we have done wrong in the past. That is how we learn and we do better going forward. And yeah, like I'm not, well, I don't think I'm going to write the next gem in the holograms iteration on TV, but um, <laughs> like maybe someone who's listening will, will hear that and be like, Oh, Hey, Let's get people of different backgrounds writing this and like beta reading and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about these things because I think diversity is important to all of us. And um, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. You don't. You can send letters to the P.O. Box. (laughs) Indeed. That's P.O. Box one, two, three, four. Jim and the Hologram City. Some state zero 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 one three. That and and I could argue also against that. That may be the case, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to freaking talk about it and discuss it and and beat it to death. Like if it's if it's something that we feel that is worth talking about um, and worth worth you know arguing for, then then we're going to bring it up. It. I mean, either either argument isn't wrong. So well, I agree. Yeah, that's true. This is a good point. And on a final note, I think if I mean by the time we're done this uh, this entire run of of this podcast, I will be very disappointed and and quite frankly shocked if we are not handed a writing contract for a reboot of this series because we will be experts of these characters by the time we're done. That's true. Yep. And Tempest Head Cannon alone is just 
a rich playground of inspiration. Man, if they let me loose, there would <laughs> be no end. She's gonna march in. She's gonna march into the uh, the director's office. She, she's gonna be like, "Listen." <laughs> Close the door. Uh, Take my earrings. And off. then the, exactly, and that's that's <laughs> that's that's when the director like gets up out of his seat, uh, uh, closes the door, and then like shuts the blinds. All right, now you may speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't want anyone seeing this. It makes me look small. <laughs> Elsewhere, on a private yacht, the misfits and Eric are lounging in bathing suits and discussing how they weren't irritating enough to drive the tenants away from the building. Which is a miracle, right? Like, how are they not irritating enough? They don't even know what to do with that. Eric has a plan to get rid of the senior citizens for good. What is that plan? Well, Eric says, Hello there, fellas. Ladies, I'd like you to meet my secret weapons. Torch, Mickey, I'd like you both to meet the misfits. And they just grunt and groan. Torch, though. I could, uh, Torch is like... Is Torch uh, the new Zippa? Uh, no, because I don't think that we see Torch again. I think ah. it's just like a rotating roster of random grunty men, which makes me... This is, feeds right into my, my theory that Zippa finally got sent to federal penitentiary. Like, finally. Like, I, what was the last time we saw him when he almost put Kimber in a volcano? I think that maybe that was enough. The police were like, let's just go, sir. Let's go. There's justice after all. Where does Eric find these people? Do you think he's putting, like, anonymous Craigslist ads? It was called well, the Classifieds in the 80s. <laughs> successful producer looking for, for expendable muscle-bound goons. <laughs> looking well, for big, brawny, muscly man <laughs> to... <laughs> Right, because Eric put that in, and he thought that he was going to get some companionship, but instead, these guys showed up, and he's like, oh, well, I guess I could use you in Zipper's right. jail. <laughs> yeah, and at at the end of the, the ad, it just says, if you're interested, call this secure line and ask for browse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. It, it could be that, or it, there could be, you know, we've talked about how Eric is like this random con man, right? And he just like runs these random cons all the time. Like now he's knocking out building, trying to build a factory where he can make some records. But, you know, he's also like trying to buy a ski resort for the silver mining rights and, and other things. Um, and he's also like a random promoter for charity. So maybe Eric comes from a crime family, uh, but he's like, oh like the black sheep of the crime family. Um, or maybe he's like the half brother that no one respects because he's only a half brother. So he kind of has to be on his own. But every now and then he calls up Uncle Salvador and he's like, Uncle Salvador, my my thug got sent to jail. Could you please send to replacement thugs? And Uncle Salvador is like, I will do this for you on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Salvador Raymond. <laughs> is that a Godfather re reference? Yes, it is. Oh, excellent. Also, Eric seems to be developing a conscious conscience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He also seems to be developing abs. <laughs> yeah, when does he have time <laughs> to have abs? Do you, do you see him la laying down in that? I don't know why I noticed this. <laughs> why does he have time to have it? No, I, I actually did notice that. I was just like, okay, Eric Raymond. That's <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, also, more clues to where they are. I think that they might be somewhere in New Jersey because you don't park your yacht off the coast of Manhattan and then go for a swim 
in the East River or the Hudson River because you do that and you come up and you've been mutated beyond repair. <laughs> uh, but you, but people do swim in the ocean on the Jersey off the Jersey Shore, so. Maybe they're in New Jersey. I thought it was Miami because the weather always looks so warm and they're not wearing a lot of clothes and the water looks nice. So, you know, actually where they were with the boat and the dock actually kind of reminded me of like something from Dexter. That is true. That is true. I mean, maybe, maybe they are in Florida. It's just, I guess, but then that would explain why there are only two record companies (laughs) because all the other record companies are in LA or New York and they're just like... Starlight Music, why is that headquartered in Miami? For the beaches. Well, Eric has hired Torch and Mickey to sabotage the building, from the piping to the electrical system. In fact, one of his goons cuts a live wire from an electrical pole, causing it to descend and almost kill Bobby. Kimber pushes him out of harm's way, but... I noticed as far as the scene is animated, it looks as if Bobby does actually get struck by the live wire. Did either of you notice that? I did not. I, I, I thought... Because I could have sworn he, it looks like he's like, ugh, makes this noise like he got hit. Well, it could be just an old man noise. They seem to really be going at it with the old man. Maybe he shot his pants or something. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, it's like an old man noises i don't know they should have given him great hair he looks like he's like what 60 they should have given him great hair like because they, they really do play up this old man business he, yeah he had no gray hair well the holograms try to chase after their attacker but he escapes and i just love this little bit of dialogue jem says it's too late eric must have hired a marathon runner <laughs> oh jem uh... also you were running after him in heels so she didn't have a skateboard handy Right, she had to use she, what she had. She ought to know. And for and also, isn't Shayna the one who uh is the one who's the runner? Shayna should have been chasing him, but Shayna had better sense than that because Shayna knows not to go chasing after thugs on the New York streets or the Miami streets or whatever streets they're on. New Jersey, it really doesn't matter. You don't chase after thugs. Cut to the rocking roadster, which pulls up to the courthouse containing legal document archives. Shayna says, "I'm really worried about Kimber," and Aja says. She's been acting very strangely. Jem says, what do you mean? And Aja says, Kimper Benton spending the past eight hours doing research in the court's public archives? You're right. I hope she's not sick. So I don't know about y'all, but I've got a cold right now. And the first thing I wanted to do when I started coming down with this is leave the house for a day to spend that day searching the court's paper public archives. It's the instinct that I also have when I uh, get the flu or meningitis or whatever. Right. Um, I'm just like, oh, I feel so terrible. I'm going to throw up. I need to go search it through some old dusty records. Let me get in the car. Yep. Every time. I have something to confess. I maybe my brain must be really warped because I laughed so hard when Jem said, I hope she's not sick. I thought she was implying that Kimber was like, like had gone insane and and that could be like that Maybe. that is the only other explanation that's the way i interpret it i'm like because it is a very it seems strange i guess for her to be doing that like i didn't think she had a cold or anything at the same time though it's like it's a really that's a messed up thing to say like basically the, it implies that kimber is such an irresponsible little airhead right that yeah. the situation that they're in in which they're trying to help this old crotchety terrible insulting man 
you know, save his thing. Like they don't think maybe that's what Kimber is in there doing. Instead, they're like, she's acting weird. We should, she might be sick. Let's call the paddy wagon or whatever. It's just give Kimber some credit, yo. At least he's consistent. Well, as it turns out, Kimber has been doing research to find a way that they can save Bobby's apartment building. According to legal documents, in 1958, the entire area was zoned as residential, meaning no one can build a business there. Kimber is very pleased with her detective work. Bobby seems to appreciate it in a rather curmudgeon, curmudgeon sort of way, uh, because he says, not bad for a new wave space cadet, and Kimber scowls at him. This guy just continues to be a complete jerk. That is true, but I again reiterate, they should have let him wander the streets with a shopping cart muttering about how he used to be in the biggest band of the era that's cold tempest that's cold i am not a nice person i guess we'll see as the episode progresses here whether or not there are going to be any redeeming qualities and uh that remains to be i guess debated but let's move on the holograms with evidence in tow confront eric on his yacht they protest the demolition of Bobby Bailey's building and tell him that there's no legal grounds for it. It's here that we see Eric, who has decided it would be great, by the way, to dress as the skipper from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> as you do. As you do. Well, it's his boat. I guess he can do whatever he wants. But uh, yeah, he looks pretty silly. Did the skipper look silly, Alex? I mean, come on. I think that maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> I've actually never seen an episode of Gilligan's Island as far as I can remember. Eric's like, ugh, Jim and the Holograms interrupting my binge watching of <laughs> the final season of Gilligan's Island. Ugh, what, could, what do they want now? <laughs> I really admire that skipper fella. Oh my god, it was the first cosplay. It was the first mainstream cosplay. First Gilligan's Island cosplay. That is hilarious, though. Well, Eric does not give up easily, of course. He arranges a private meeting with Councilman Sanford. In his limo, Eric makes a proposition. In exchange for a handsome sum of money, uh, which would go towards Carl Sanford's re-election fund, Eric requests the rezoning law for Bobby Bailey's billing to be removed. Later in the evening, Jim and the holograms, along with Bobby, watch as they announce the residential zoning laws be overturned. Everyone seems to give up, with the exception of Kimber. Kimber doesn't have a plan yet, but she wants to keep fighting Eric until they regain control over the building. I guess there's no point in nitpicking the fact that, number one, Eric would have researched whether or not the area was residentially zoned or not before he started with his wrecking ball. And even if he hadn't, like, one conversation with a congressman does not mean that the zoning laws are repealed the next day or the next, you know, maybe it's a week later. Who knows? I guess there's no point in nitpicking that because this is a children's show. But uh, I do enjoy the fact that this children's show is teaching children that the government is not there to help you. It is only there to help men like Eric Raymond. That's a great point. That did not cross my mind. You know, this show is very anti-authoritarian. Don't trust the popo. Don't trust your council member don't trust the government especially don't trust men dressed up as skipper don't trust men dressed mm -hmm. up as skipper only trust in yourself and your best friends and your sister and a washed up rock and roll guy yeah him too who calls you little girl and tells you to come back to his abandoned condemned apartment yeah. 
a good idea. Sound advice from Jim and the Holograms. Cut to the exterior of Bobby's building. Jim is about to shoot a documentary about the history of the building and why it's worth saving. Spoiler, it's not. Video is there with her camera equipment to capture it all. It's a good thing to have a friend that's, you know, like her in, in high places that can just do work for free, I'm assuming. Well, you know, video doesn't have a lot going on, it, it seems, because she's always just like, yeah, I was just sitting around with my camera not doing anything until you called. That's true. In a seemingly quick turnaround time, Jem's rockumentary, see what I did there, uh... airs on TV. Huddled outside Bob's Electric, a group of people, eyes fixed, are watching the program. A kid turns to his dad and says, Boy, Dad, I didn't know anyone your age knew anything about rock and roll. Think there's anything we can do to save that building? And Dad's like, I just don't know. How did that even mean? So contrived. I don't even know. Also, I do love how when after they finished filming the documentary, and they seem to have just been filming it just to film it, and then video's like, you know... I might know some people who can get this on the air. And I'm like, do we live in a world where Lindsay's show is canceled? Because this seems like the kind of thing that you would take to Lindsay. Lindsay would be like, hey, babe, I'd be glad to put this on. Put it on at eight. Yeah, I was waiting for Lindsay. You know, it would have been even worse. I mean, at this point, they could have, you know, just had that kid say, gee, Willikers, boy, dad. He should have said G. Willikers. But also, just like, I didn't know anybody your age was into rock and roll. I was like, sir, <laughs> I know that you're only 12 or whatever, but you do know that rock and roll came from the 50s. Like, this is something because because their parents would be like, uh, this new business they call rock and roll. It's not like uh, that guy who sang La Bamba. It's not his uh, buddy, Holly. So these people are just ruining rock and roll. Like, he would have heard that from his dad since forever it's kind of like i blame terrible white people <laughs> yeah. usually a safe bet and i feel like this the the ideas about what people and what generation know about stuff in this show are all like whacked out it's kind of like the way we were talking about last week where the ship captain his granddaughter gave him a gem the hologram cd for christmas and i was like no she didn't that is <laughs> i don't believe that for one minute uh, so, but and now kids are like, I didn't know my my parents knew about rock and roll. All right, kid. I don't know anyone that says rock and roll anymore. It's it's just rock. Like we've shortened that, right? When was the last time? And I don't know. Maybe maybe it was like a thing in the early eighties. Still, well, we took yeah. the roll out of it because um, marijuana was criminalized. Are you making that up, or is that true? I totally made that up. <laughs> I almost believe that. And the downfall I'm, I'm, of civilization. I have to use my power responsibly now. You do. You should. I will take anything you say as gospel. <laughs> well, making a final stand against Eric Raymond, the holograms and all of the tenants of the building stand between the apartment and the bulldozers, which, of course, of course, are being driven by the misfits and Eric. Now... When did the Misfits get a crash course in how to drive bulldozers? I mean, can't Eric just hire other people? No, no. They got that crash course when they were on Howard Sands' lawn trying right. to run over small children with them. Roxy was right. like, I know how to do this. And as though Pizzazz is above paying for a lesson or two where, you know, she can learn how to destroy things more brutally and efficiently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know, I just realized many, many episodes ago, and, and of course we've made a passing reference to the whole joke about the misfits bulldozing things but th this that was totally in reference to this episode 
This is the first time they bulldozed anything, isn't this? Isn't that true? No, no, no. Roxy did actually bulldoze on Howard Sands' front lawn in like episode two. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Just she's a terrible person, and now they're. All, but my whole thing was I was like, really, this equipment requires. I feel like it requires more than just like I took a driver's test. Like, don't you have to be like certified and and have a license and? Uh, yes. Yeah. There's a special license for that. Yeah. So I call shenanigans on that. But they they were going to enjoy themselves. Like when all those people stood in front of that building, Pizzazz gleefully said, oh, this is going to be awesome. Or I'm going to enjoy this or something like that. She was ready to literally roll over those people. Mm -hmm. And they weren't going to stop. Like, let's be honest. They, even though that would be, like, that would put an end to all of their demolition if they actually killed some people. But they just were ready to do it. Well, one of the tenants said to Eric, since when have you ever cared about following the law? So that just tells me, like, the fact that the misfits are driving these bulldozers, they don't have a license. In fact, Eric probably doesn't even have a license. You would think that Eric wouldn't want to partake in that that kind of physical labor. Like, he just seems like the kind of guy that, I mean, first of all, he's wearing a suit. Nobody wears a suit and hops into a bulldozer and says, I'm ready to bust things up. <laughs> that just doesn't happen, except for him. I don't know. It seems weird. In the climactic finale, Kimber puts a stop to things when she holds up a new legal document stating that the building is now a residential zone. Mr. Wellington, the head of the city's historical society, explains the situation. Because Bobby Bailey assembled his own small museum of rock and roll history, the building has now been declared an historical landmark. With his tail between his legs, Eric gets back in the in the bulldozer and leaves the premises. And Bobby is grateful for all that Kimber has done. She was the only one, after all, that never gave up hope. In fact, actually, there's a nice little interchange here at the end, which I really liked. And Bobby says... I guess you're never too old to learn, and Kimber says, or too young. And now we cut to the final, the third and final video of this episode by Jim and the Holograms called Let's Not Forget the Past. And this is probably my favorite song in this episode. Yeah, it's actually a fun song. It's also, once again, it's like upbeat, but in a different way. It has our special guest voice, Bobby. Yeah. And this is, I think, the first song where, where the holograms have a guest singer I think. Oh, it is. He is uncredited, though. Like, when you look at what it says who's singing the song, it just says Gem and the Holograms. Once again, they're racing people from history. Uh Uh-oh. There's going to be hell to pay. He doesn't get a cut of the proceeds from this single. Well, now he's really going to be homeless because now he's got no money. No no kickbacks from this. uh, No royalties. It was his gratitude was such that. (laughs) Hey. The guy's got to eat. But it is a good song. It's fun. And at the end of it, for some reason, uh, the holograms dance backwards up some stairs, which has all, like, even as a little kid, I remember being like, how did they? And I once, like, fell trying to replicate <laughs> that dance move. So I can tell you that it can't happen. Um, <laughs> but other than that, it's fun. And then at the end, uh, he gives Kimber an, elect- or an acoustic guitar to play. Even though, like, there was a weird moment earlier like when he first busts up into their dressing room, where she's like, what good is a guitar if you can't plug it in? But Kimber plays the acoustic guitar. She learned on the acoustic guitar. Kimber is very familiar with the beauties of the acoustic guitar. I don't know why. That made me mad. As a guitar player, that made me mad. That, that's so ridiculous. Right. So it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Like 
literally Kimber, there have been plenty of times where we have seen Kimber with a, a an acoustic guitar in her hands. As any guitar player, like even if you don't own an acoustic guitar, I guarantee any guitar player at one point in their life has picked up an acoustic guitar and played it. There's just no way. That, that reaction is just so unrealistic to me. I don't understand the... Um... Eric leaving, if we can just go back a little bit, because they were just saying, like, Eric doesn't care about the law. He'll do whatever. And then he's like coming at the people. And then Kimber all of a sudden is like, wait, you can't do it because it's against the law. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, you literally just said he doesn't care. Yeah. It's like, okay. And then just leaves. Right. (laughs) After all that, you give up. Right. Like, well, I mean, well, what else is he supposed to do, right? He, he's not going to go and kill people. Well, he was going to kill some people. I think, though... No, 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 no. What? Pizzazz was the one who took control of the bulldozer. And he's like, no, there are people in there. Oh, uh, well. But still, like, it, but in that last bulldozer scene, they were just driving at those people. They did not seem to give any kind of care as to whether or not those people got out the way or anything. I love how Kimber stood up to him, though. She said, come at me, bro. <laughs> Kimber got her tough girl on in this episode. But yeah, it's, it's weird. Like the things that Eric Graham was like, oh, I can't, I can't countenance that. It's like the, the Morvania episode where he's like, yeah, take this girl away and put her in a tower. I don't care. Oh, wait, you're going to blow up some people and yeah. we're not going to get to perform. This is terrible. Let me just, let me run after you. Like, <laughs> Eric, be consistent. Right. Well, we have concluded this episode. Do either of you have any final thoughts? No. I think that we should let's not forget the past, baby. Let's let's not re- forget where we came from. Let's make these not memories last. <laughs> let's let's not forget the past. Let's not do it. Let's also not forget that black people invented rock and roll. <laughs> if we're on this, uh, you know. If we're on this let's not forget the past kick. Let's not forget that. Let's super not forget that. Wise wise words. Aline, I have a question for you. Are you a hologram? No. I I kind of wish I was though. Oh, you sound so sad. Well, then I could have cool clothes, not cool I could be very specific about the clothes that I wanted and I could have cool clothes and um and stuff and not have to do laundry very much. Because then I could just wear like pajamas or whatever and there could be a hologram over it and it would be comfy and that would be cool. But I'm not. Maybe someday. Well, where can these fine listeners find the beautiful creative work that you produce? Ooh, beautiful. Um, So I have a podcast at lessthanorequal.com. I talk to geeky people about their cool, cool likes, interests and projects. Um, I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash Aline. It's A-L-E-E-N. Um, and I also have an infrequently updated blog at alinemean.com. And Tempest, what say you about being a hologram? I am a hologram, but I'm a friendly hologram, um, which is kind of like being a friendly ghost. Uh, I can walk through things. Um, yeah. But the do you have laser eyes? I, I don't have laser eyes, uh, unfortunately. But the uh, AI that generates me does have lasers uh, that penetrate walls and harm small children. So it's a good time. That's handy. Mm-hmm. It can be from time to time. And where uh, can our fine listeners find all of your lovely work? Well, if you go to my website, ktempestbradford.com, there's about to be a lot of really cool stuff. There was supposed to be an October 1st relaunch of many things, but then 
there was there was an incident on October 1st that was very sad and um I didn't feel like being all let's look at this stuff and think about books and this that and the other thing when there was so much like you know just badness going on that day. So so now I'm moving to a new place uh in a couple of days and so once I've moved to the new place then there's going to be all sorts of cool stuff there's going to be videos there's going to be podcasts there's going to be gifts of me dancing. So it's going to be great. So if you just go to kdebrisbradford.com, you'll be able to see all of that. You'll also be able to find all of my social medias, like my Tumblr and my Twitter and all of that. So just go there. It'll be a good time. I promise. And I should answer my own question. You should. Are you a hologram? Yep. I am a hologram. In fact, I figured I am a hard light hologram. That's so cool. And for those that do not know what a hard light hologram is, it is a hologram that can become real matter. Mm, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> you probably know about that if you've watched Star Trek, but that's basically what a hologram, a hard light hologram is. Just like uh, the doctor from Star Trek Voyager. So that means that uh, I never have problems with, you know, uh, using my, my hologram powers to create all sorts of really cool outfits and hairdos. And, you know, when somebody goes to uh, make physical contact with me, they don't actually pass through my fake holographic hair. So that's a that's a real bonus. I, it cost my entire life savings to develop this technology, though. So that means that we need to find some way to get you money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, indeed. I do need the monies. And for now, though, if you'd like to read any of my work, it is at zerodistraction.com. And other than the Gem podcast, I podcast on a show called The Impromptu, uh, which is uh, on Twitter at The Impromptu. It's on iTunes as well, and you can subscribe to it, subscribe to it in your podcast uh, app of choice. And speaking of subscribing to things, if you're subscribed to this show, we would sincerely appreciate it if you left us a rating on iTunes. It only takes a moment. Uh, leave us a star rating or a comment. That would be wonderful. You can even get in touch with us if you'd like to leave feedback for anybody on the show by going to gemcast.tv forward slash contact. And if you're feeling generous, you may donate to us as well by going to gemcast.tv forward slash donate. We have some predefined donation tiers. Any of that money will go to uh, help us basically purchase better hardware, especially for Tempest, which it sounds like, Tempest, you are on a different microphone this week. Is that correct? That's right. I was able to get a new microphone thanks to another podcaster out there. Uh, did you get the snowball? I did get the snowball. Awesome. Yeah, it makes a difference. Well, that's it for this week. There's only one thing left to say. Show's over, Synergy.